0: Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. I'm always glad for an opportunity to give my testimony because it reminds me again of how much God cares for us individually. Every time I give my testimony, it reminds me of how individually God takes each one of us and he keeps drawing us to a place where we can finally be set free from all the bondages on our lives. I look back and I just think, oh God, every time I think about the deliverance that he brought in my life, I just think, God, you are so good and truly your mercy is everlasting. Well, I was reared in a Christian home with wonderful Christian parents. We just had a very, very happy home life. And then later I fell in love and got married, and again, we had a very happy home life. But about six months after Angela was born, a Buddhist girl moved into the apartment behind us, and I began feeling very compelled to go and witness to her. I had never shared Jesus that many times, and so I was very nervous about it, but I thought it was my duty. I just thought I've got to go. I didn't want her to to go to hell, but I just kept feeling like I had this guilt and this compulsion that I had to go talk to her. Well, there were a lot of mixed emotions because every time I'd go out in the backyard, I would just feel terrified. I didn't know why I was so frightened, but I would just feel terrified, and so one day, I just decided I've got to do something about this. Now, I had been reared in a Baptist home, and I thank God for the good foundational truths that they gave me about salvation. They taught me so many things, but the one thing I didn't learn was about spiritual warfare. Now, I didn't know anything about the enemy. I would go out in the backyard and she would keep her house real dark, she burned a lot of incense, and it was very frightening to me, but I finally decided I'm going to make myself go and knock on the door and tell her about Jesus. So when she answered the door, I said, may I come in and tell you about Jesus? And she said, that's fine if you'll give me equal time. Well, now that sounded reasonable to me at the time. I had no idea what I was getting into. I don't remember a thing that I said. I probably went in and probably finished in about two minutes what I had to say. And I really don't even remember what she said to me. I remember she started talking to me about her Buddhist religion. But all I remember is that while I was talking to her, my mind just started reeling. I got so confused that I couldn't even think straight. And I remember thinking, I can't keep my thoughts straight. I I can't keep my thoughts going in one direction. And all of a sudden, I just began feeling all these fears. I just became engulfed in fear. And I kept thinking, I've just got to get out of here. I felt like I was choking, and I thought, if I can just get out. So I got out as quickly as I could, and we lived pretty close to the park. And so I went to the park, and I just started walking. But while I was walking, all these doubts started bombarding my mind. And I spent the rest of the evening just thinking, what is going on? I feel like I'm going crazy. And all of a sudden, all these what-if thoughts started coming. You know, What if there's no God? What what if the God that I serve is is not real? What, What if Jesus is not the right one? And I just kept thinking, you know, where are these thoughts coming from? And I finally literally panicked, but I thought I can't tell anybody because I was so ashamed that I had all those thoughts going through my mind. Well, it finally got so bad that I made an appointment with my pastor. We were going to the Methodist Church at the time. And he didn't have any answers for me, so I decided I would go to this Baptist pastor who was a friend of ours. And when he couldn't answer my questions, I was desperate. I thought, you know, where do I go now? I went back to my Methodist pastor for a second time, and his secretary said, yes, I'll go get him. And so she went back, and in a moment, she came back where I was, and she said, well, I'm sorry, he's already gone home. Well, I left, and as I was leaving, I saw him leaving out the back door and stepping into his car. Well, that just crushed me at the time, but I look back now, and I thought, bless his heart, he wasn't about to be put through what I put him through the first time, because I, you know, I know that he must have felt as desperate when I left the first time as I did. But I went home thinking, if the preacher doesn't have any answers for me, where do I go? What do I do? Where can I turn? Well now that confusion just kept growing to the point that I would wake up in the morning and I couldn't think, I couldn't function. And the fears became so big that I entered into a mental agony that I couldn't even describe. I had no idea that I was in spiritual warfare. I cried all the time and all I wanted to do was sleep and escape but I'd go to sleep and I would have nightmares and so it came to the point that I, I didn't want to be awake and I didn't want to go to sleep. Well, it came to the point that I was not praying anymore. I never opened my Bible, because every time I would try to pray or open my Bible, all these thoughts would come into my mind, saying, well, what if this is just a joke? You know, what if you're just wasting your time? And so I started going to the library constantly. Every time Jack would go to work, I would slip off and go to the library, and I would read everything that I could get my hands on about every foreign religion that I could think of. And I was doing that trying to disprove those religions in an attempt to prove to myself that what I was believing was real. But I was just driven, and I was tormented. Must have shown even when I was there in the library, because I found out later that the librarian found out who I was, and she called Jack, and she said, I really think that you need to check on your wife because I'm concerned about her. Something's wrong when she comes down to the library, and so after that, I was forbidden to go back to the library. Couldn't go to the library anymore, but that compulsion and that drive was there, and it was so bad that I would slip into my mother and dad's house, and I would slip out their encyclopedias and take them home so I could continue this search to try to find out all about these other religions well finally it came to the place where I was not able to stay by myself so every day Jack would take me and he would take the children he would drop us off at my mother's house and then he'd come get us after work well after weeks of that and nothing had gotten any better he decided that he needed to take me to a psychiatrist well, they found one of the best. He's, uh, he was a Christian man, a Dr. Zell in, in Fort Worth. And at that time, he was the one that screened all of the Baptist missionaries before they went overseas. I look back and see how God was so good to take me to a Christian psychiatrist because, you know, that could have been very damaging if, if the man had not been a Christian. And I remember the relief that I felt when I thought, well, finally now I'm going to get some help. So he started me on a series of electrical shock treatments that lasted over a period of several months, and that seemed to help for a while because it made me forget. You know, it would just kind of blank out my memory for a period of time. So there was a time that I wouldn't be able to even remember what I was agonizing over. When after the shock treatments, he put me on a lot of antidepressants, and I stayed in a state of just wanting to sleep most of the time. Now... Partially because those antidepressants made me feel drugged, but partly because I was miserable when I was awake, and I just cried the whole time I was awake. So, I tried to sleep most of the time to escape. Well, after a couple of years, it seemed to get just a little bit better, and I finally got where I could function a little bit. But the least little thing would just wash me away. So we were on a roller coaster all the time. You know, we'd go along for just a little while and it would be fine. And then it, something would happen. It was like the ground would wash out from under me. Well, finally, Jack decided he needed to take me back to Dr. Zell. And even though he was paying out more money in psychiatric fees than he was making, Jack told the doctor, he said, I don't care what it costs, just get her well. Let's don't drag this out. I'll find a way to pay you. Just find a way to get her well. And he said, let's just don't mess with all the, you know, all these other things of talking to her. He said, just get right to the the source and let's get to it and let's get her over this. Well, Dr. Ezell sat Jack down and he explained to him that he couldn't promise that he could ever get me well. He said, I can't promise you that. And you might as well expect that she's going to at least be on antidepressants for the rest of her life. And Jack was just floored, and he said, Well, I don't understand why you can't do something. You're a psychiatrist. And Dr. Ezell made a statement that I thought was very significant. He said, There's not a psychiatrist around who can treat the cause because medical science doesn't know what the cause of this is. We can treat the symptoms, but we can't treat the cause. Well, needless to say, when we left that day, Jack was as devastated as I was. And I thank God for such a wonderful husband. Because most young men would have left their wives at that point. And I know that. And I thank God every day that he gave me such a wonderful husband. And I look back now and I realize that he probably saw it as his responsibility of just to take care of me. But this went on for eight years. We were on a constant roller coaster. And there were times when I thought that the mental and the emotional torment was going to be more than I could take for another moment. But I wouldn't allow myself to think about suicide because of the fear that I might find myself eternally in that state of agony. And so I wouldn't dare let myself think about taking a chance that I would take my life and then live that way forever. Well, one night, I went out to the clothesline. I was miserable in the house, and I thought, well, if I can just get outside and take a walk. It was pretty late at night. But I got outside, and I realized I was just as miserable outside as I was in the house. And I remember looking up into the heavens, and I was hanging under the clothesline, and I said, God, if you're even there, find me and bring me back to you. I can't get back to you. But if you're there, if you really exist, find me and bring me back. Now, I remember that I didn't feel any differently that night when I went back in the house. But I knew I was totally at the end of myself. And that might have been for the first time that I was at the end of myself. And God may have been waiting for me to give up because I had tried everything. I kept thinking, Lord, I don't know why I can't get okay because I've tried everything I've thought of. everything I can think of, God was waiting for me to come to the point where I completely gave up and just depended on Him. And that's what I did that night. I said, Lord, I am at the end of my rope and I need help. Please find me. Well, when I looked back in retrospect, I could see where God then immediately began bringing me to the place where I needed to be. I saw that God went to work immediately on that request because the very next week, Jack decided that he was going to go to New Orleans because they were having a pepsi management seminar and he needed to go. And so mother and dad said they would keep the children. They were always trying to help me do something that maybe would get me in a new atmosphere that would help. Well, we went to Austin, Texas on, that, on the first night, and we stayed with some old friends who lived there. We would see this couple from time to time, but this was the very first time that they ever mentioned the Acts 1-4 experience. The first time they'd ever mentioned it to us. And we stayed up until two o'clock in the morning, just like little hungry birds. We, we were just picking their brain with every question we could think of. I still will remember how excited I was. I mean, I just, I was so excited and I just kept thinking, could this possibly be the answer to my problem? And it was just kind of a hope against hope. Well, the next day we left Austin and we went to Conroe. Jack was going to go to a a canning meeting. He was on the board of directors there at the Conroe Canning Company. And he never left me by myself for any length of time. So he dropped me off at my cousin's house, who had just recently gotten remarried. I'd never met his new wife. And I probably hadn't been in the house five minutes before she began to say to me exactly the same things that this couple in Austin had said to us the night before. Now, that was not any coincidence. And I was just dumbfounded. You know, I'd never heard this before. And now, in a 24-hour period, I was hearing it for the second time. So all the way to New Orleans, that's all we could talk about what we had learned in Austin and what I had been told in Conroe. And so we got to New Orleans late in the afternoon, got checked into the hotel, and we left to walk down to this little restaurant where we had eaten on our honeymoon 10 years before. And on the way to the restaurant, we ran into a Logos bookstore. Now, we didn't even know what the word Logos meant at that time, but I didn't like to read at the time. So the first miracle was the fact that God even got us inside the bookstore. But we got inside the bookstore, and we started picking out all these books that we wanted to read. And we couldn't wait to get back to our motel room and start reading. We read practically all night that first night. And Jack would get up, and he'd go to his meetings in the daytime, and I'd stay there and read all day, and then he'd come home, and we'd read at night. The book that I especially remember was Pat Boone's book, A New Song, and I don't remember some of the other ones, but Jack's book that he picked out, the first one he read on that week was Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Now by Thursday of that week, it finally dawned on me that God had been orchestrating this the entire time. And before we left to go home, we had both experienced what the couple in Austin and my cousin in Conroe had told us about. Now, I had never experienced that kind of peace before in my life. I'd never been that peaceful. It was so wonderful, I just thought, Lord, this is so good, I never want this to end. Have you ever been doing something and it felt so wonderful and you felt so peaceful that you just thought, Lord, just let time stand still. I, just, I don't want time to even move at this point. I just want to bask in this peace. Well, that's how I felt. I just felt, Lord, this is the most wonderful thing I have ever experienced. Well, during the next year, it drew Jack and me really close together and it was kind of like a healing to our marriage from all the years when he had just more or less taken care of me. And so for two years, it was like I was in this little bubble of peace and we studied the Bible together and we prayed together and it was a very, very special time. But after two years, I began realizing that some of those old fears were creeping up again. And I'd try to push them back and I'd try to get really busy because I just I would panic on the inside, realizing that those thoughts were trying to come back. And I thought, how can this be? You know, I I knew then that God was real. He had proved himself over and over, but that old panic was beginning to torment me again. And I thought, Lord, I've got to have help. I don't know what to do. Now, in my search through the Word, I ran across a scripture and even though I didn't have any idea what the scripture really meant, I knew in my heart it was an answer. It was in Joel 2.32 and it said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Now, I had no idea what deliverance even meant, but I knew in my heart that I needed deliverance. And so, I just started quoting that scripture over and over. I'd say, Lord, I'm calling on you, and you said that whoever called on the name of the Lord would be delivered. And I'm calling on you, and I thank you for that deliverance. And I would repeat that over and over. Well, finally, one Sunday morning... I was in the bedroom getting dressed for church, and I was alone, and I had a vision. I'd never had a vision before, but I was aware that I was sitting there. I was not in any kind of a trance, but I could see myself out in front of me, and I was sitting in a chair, and there was a man dressed in white beside me, and all of a sudden in the vision, I opened my mouth, and I saw a black tooth. And then my body became transparent and there were black roots going down through my arms and through my legs and through the trunk of my body. And the man in white reached over and pulled the tooth out and all the roots and it left holes all through my body, all down my arms and legs. And then he said, now I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And he began packing those holes. It was like with gauze or something. It took a good while. He just kept packing and packing. And finally... He said, open your mouth, and I saw myself in the vision, opened my mouth, and there was a totally healed area. Well, I was so excited. I thought that vision meant that it was over with. I thought that the deliverance had taken place as I watched it happen. I wish it had been that simple, but I was so excited that I could hardly wait to get to Jack that morning and tell him what the Lord had shown me and what the Lord had done. Well, I stayed excited all that evening, and I could hardly sleep that night, but the next morning, I don't even remember what happened, but something happened, and spiritually, the bottom just fell out and instantly it was as bad as it had ever been before. I remember running to the medicine cabinet and opening it and just started pulling all the bottles out of the medicine cabinet just trying to find maybe a bottle from 2 years before there were some antidepressants left and I was desperately just trying to find anything that I could find that might help. Now I Hadn't taken any of those pills for two years and I didn't find any that day But if I had found some I would have taken them. I was just panicked All I could think of was I've got to do something to keep myself from going back into that pit out of which I'd come Now I forgot about that vision. For a while I didn't even remember the vision But see God had given that to me to sustain me during this time And later when the vision came back to me well that started giving me the strength that I need But I forgot everything at that time I didn't realize during this time that Jack had become frightened too over what he had seen happening and we had some prayer partners and they had started looking for some help for me. Well, they found a pastor in our town who believed in deliverance and they went to Jack and they said, we believe that Joyce is being plagued with an evil spirit. And so they gave him some tapes to listen to, and I later found out that he took those tapes and threw them down and went out and said, I'm not gonna be a demon chaser. So they were just devastated because they didn't know what to do then. But later, as I continually got worse, he finally came back and he said, I wanna listen to those tapes, I'll try anything. Well, we met with this pastor and he prayed for me one afternoon. And then he stopped and he said, this is going to take something a little more. He said, I want us all to pray and fast for three days and three nights and then we'll meet back together. Well, we had never fasted before. We weren't sure that we could do without a meal, much less three days and three nights. So we started, but it was supernatural. We never once got hungry. Jack and I kept talking about, you know, what is wrong? You know, here it's, uh, we were going on the third day and we had not even had a hunger pain. Now, I can't truthfully say that I had any faith that this was going to work because by this time we had tried so many things and nothing had happened, but I knew I didn't have any other choice, and I was none, and I just, I knew that God was real, and I just kept saying, Lord, just bring me to whatever I need, bring me to the place where I need to be, and we had tried every other avenue. So at the end of the three days, we met with this pastor. It was this pastor and his wife and one other couple and Jack and me. Well, the pastor instructed me just to to kind of relax and focus my mind on the Lord and just let the Lord do the work of deliverance. Now, I'd never read a book on deliverance. I'd never listened to a tape, so I didn't have any preconceived ideas, and they began to command a spirit of fear to come out in Jesus' name. I remember that I was sitting in the middle of the room on an ottoman with my hands uplifted, and as they were commanding those spirits of fear to come out, I remember that my hands and my arms started going to sleep. And I thought, you know, they're tingling so badly, what's wrong with my circulation? Now, I didn't make any connection between that and their praying, but finally my feet and my legs began to go to sleep too. And it frightened me, and I remember thinking, no, boy, my body's in bad shape. My circulation is this bad, you know. And finally, it went from just tingling till it became very, very painful. It felt like just needles were sticking in my arms and legs. And finally, the pain moved up my legs and up my arms, and I couldn't even concentrate on what they were saying for trying to figure out what was going wrong in my body. Now, I was about ready to tell them what was going on when all of a sudden I passed out. Now, I need to stop at this point, and I need to say that every salvation experience is different. Paul had a very dramatic salvation on the road to Damascus, and other people have a very quiet salvation experience. And every deliverance is unique. And probably most deliverances are not as dramatic as this one, and I don't know why mine happened the way it did. But anyway, I passed out, and they said that I began to scream so loudly that they began running through the house trying to close the windows for fear that the neighbors would call the police or come over and try to figure out what was happening. And so they were tearing through the house pulling down the windows and closing the uh, curtains and they didn't use the drawstrings on the drapes and so they ripped my curtains trying to close them and they said that I was out for about 20 minutes and when I came to, it was like my body was paralyzed. I was on the floor and my legs were pulled up against my body and, and my hands were up against my body and my face was numb and my lips were drawn up in a tight little circle like I was whistling. And I remember thinking, I can't move any part of my body, but I have absolutely no fear. I knew that God was in control. Jack said that all that he could remember thinking was, oh, Lord, please don't let my mother-in-law come at this point. Please don't let my mother-in-law come. I'll never be able to explain this. And I remember seeing him out of the corner of my eye, and I remember thinking that he was white as a sheet. And so I'm sure he was not any help at that deliverance. But I was looking up in the ceiling, and I had a very vivid mind picture. I could see in the throne room, and I could see Jesus standing at the right hand. And it was as though I were standing there speaking directly to him. And I was saying, Jesus, do something. Why don't you do something? And the Lord answered with something that was very significant. I've never forgotten it. He said, I have already done it all on Calvary. I've never forgotten that, and every time a new challenge comes up, it's very easy for me to remember that when I cry and say, oh, God, do something, that Jesus is constantly saying to us, I've already done it all on Calvary. It just needs to be appropriated. All of a sudden, when I heard that, this peace just came all over me. Well, they kept casting spirits out for the next couple of hours, and I know that the anointing of God was there because they were casting out spirits they could not possibly have known in the natural. Well, that night when Jack and I went to bed, we talked for hours. I don't think we went to sleep until the wee hours of the morning, because we realized that something very phenomenal had happened, and yet we couldn't tell anybody in the world. We thought, we'll never be able to share this because there's not anybody in the world that's going to believe it. In fact, uh, our prayer partner came over the next morning real early to knock on the door just to say, I wanted to see if I was dreaming last night if that really happened. Now... We didn't know that anything like this had ever happened before to anyone in the world. We didn't know anything about it. But the next day, when I got up, I just realized that the peace of God was all over me. I I felt kind of numb and light, but the peace of God was there. But about noon, I started having all those thoughts again. I started having all those feelings and those fears started coming back. And I've probably never been as confused as I was at that point. And I thought, Lord, I know that what happened last night was real, but why didn't it take care of this? Why is it that absolutely nothing has taken care of these fear thoughts and these doubt thoughts that come? And so the Lord brought me back to the remembrance of what he had shown me in that vision. And he reminded me of that packing period. And he reminded me that that packing period was just as important as the pulling out the tooth. And he reminded me that it had taken just an instant of time to pull the tooth out. But it had taken a good while for the packing to take place. And so it was like the Lord supernaturally led me what to do. And I spent the next three months almost solid sitting there with a Bible and a notebook in my hand and the Lord took me through the Word of God and showed me spiritual warfare like I had never seen it before. It was like scriptures came alive that I had never known were in the Bible before. I'd never seen them before and the Lord just began bringing them off the page and I began keeping this notebook. In fact the papers that I give out now when we take somebody through deliverance It's a paper called, Things I Found Helpful in Keeping My Deliverance. And it's the very thing that that the Lord showed me during that three-month period when I was having my mind renewed to the Word of God. Now, one of the very first things that he spoke to me was that I had to make the Word my final authority in everything. I remember when the Lord spoke that to me, and as I was writing it down, I remember thinking, Lord, this is impossible. I don't know how I can make the word my final authority in everything because some of the things in the word of God are so contradictory to the world. And how can we live in this world and make the word our final authority in everything? And I remember the confusion that I felt. And I remember sitting there looking at the notebook thinking, Lord, I know you've spoken this to me and it must be possible, but I don't know how to do this. Well, it was about a week later that someone invited me to go to this little church called Bethel Temple to hear a prophet that was coming. Well, I'd never heard of a modern-day prophet, and so part of the reason I went was out of curiosity. I wanted to see what a modern-day prophet looked like. Well, I was a little bit late, and when I got there, the church was pretty full, and the only place I could find to sit was in the middle of the back row. And so I certainly was not in a conspicuous place. But after the meeting started, when the ministry time came, he called me up and he said, God has a word for you. Now, I'd never heard of a prophecy before, so I didn't know what to expect. As he began speaking, I didn't even hear most of the prophecy. Most of it just went past me. But I remember one portion. I'll never forget it. The Lord began to speak through the prophet and he said, God wants you to make up your mind that you're going to choose to believe his word. God wants you to Make up your mind that you're going to choose to believe his word. God wants you to make a choice today that the word's going to be your final authority in every area of your life. And I remember standing there and he said it so many times that I started getting embarrassed. But he just kept on. And he just started saying over and over, God wants you to choose that the word is going to be your final authority in every area of your life. And finally, I got past the embarrassment, and I realized, God, if you're speaking this to me, then evidently it is just exactly what you're telling me. It is a choice. And something clicked down the inside of me. And I realized I didn't have to feel it. I didn't have to do that. All I had to do was choose to believe God's word. That day, I determined in my heart, Lord, from this day forth, your word's gonna be my final authority. Well, after I got through that first hurdle, the word just began coming alive, and God began to show me the schemes of the enemy, and the Lord showed me that he was going to give me an exchange system. Now you need to remember that phrase because it works no matter what the challenge is that comes up. And I wrote in my notebook that God was going to give me an exchange system. Now as simple as that little exchange system is, it works no matter what the assignment of the enemy is and it works every single time. It doesn't matter what battle you're going through. See every battle starts right here in our mind, starts in our mind and it goes into our emotions. Every battle has the same dynamics. Now I'm going to give you an example of what the exchange system is in a nutshell because I want you to see how much it works in every area of life. Every single thought that you have will have originated from one of two sources. Every thought that comes in your mind will either have originated from God and the Word, it will have been influenced by God and the Word, or it will have been influenced by the enemy, by the world. And God showed me that I was to take every thought that didn't line up with the Word of God, every thought that would kill, steal, and destroy, and I was to exchange it for a thought from God's Word. Now that sounds so simple, that's the exchange system that he gave me, but it worked. The Lord impressed me that it didn't matter what thought came, it could be a thought of sickness, it could be a thought of fear, it could be a thought of despair, for some people it might be a thought of divorce, we can take whatever thought it is, and exchange it right at that moment for a thought from God's Word. And when we do that, we're casting those negative thoughts out, and we're putting God's Word in, and we're coming to a place of the renewal of our mind. And that's exactly what 2 Corinthians ten four and 5 means when it says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that took so much time when I first started it because I found out that about 99% of the thoughts that went through my mind were very negative thoughts that were being influenced by the world and by the enemy. It wasn't that they were evil thoughts, they were just thoughts that didn't line up with God's Word. They were thoughts that would come to steal my peace or thoughts that came to kill, thoughts that came to destroy. And I had developed a habit of thinking negatively. And that's why the Lord says that we have to have our mind renewed. When I first started this, I thought, Lord, this is going to take forever. And it did take some time. I'm not going to tell you that it didn't take some time. But the Lord showed me just to draw a line like I had a piece of paper and draw a line and everything that would kill, steal, and destroy to put it on one side, everything that brought life and life abundantly to put it on the other side. And if it was on the left-hand side, I was supposed to take that thought Find a scripture in God's Word and exchange it. Put one out and take the other in. I did that over and over and over, and then finally one day I realized that it started becoming a natural thing to do. A thought would pop in my mind that didn't line up with the Word of God, and I would have exchanged that thought before I even thought about it. And I realized that. We can develop a habit of doing that, and once we get a habit of doing that, then it is a very natural thing to do. And God says it will totally renew your mind. Now, I don't do that every time, but every time I do it, it works. And so the Lord showed me that it was almost like a fun game that I could play to exchange those thoughts. And finally, I realized that it was making a difference in every area of my life. Now, it wasn't a bit hard for me to accept faith teaching and word teaching when we heard it later because it was all right there in my notes. I'd open up my notes and I'd hear something on a tape and I'd look and and God had given it to me out of the Word of God. And the Lord began to show me that to walk in the Spirit, I couldn't go by anything that I, by sight, the things that I saw, and I couldn't go by circumstances. I had to go by faith in whatever it was that God said regardless of the circumstances. The Lord also began showing me that those demon spirits were not indwelling my spirit man because my spirit man was being dwelled by the Holy Spirit. But those demon spirits of doubt and fear and all those things that had tormented me, they were in my soulish realm. They were tormenting me in my mind and, and in my will and in my emotions. And that was the part that had to be renewed after my deliverance. That's the part where the packing had to be done. See, in Matthew, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God can come upon you. Well, I looked up what the kingdom of God was, and in Romans, it tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, no wonder... I could never have peace and no wonder I couldn't have any joy because my mind and my emotions had been so filled and cluttered with all the harassing spirits that there was no room for the peace and the joy. And he showed me that those demon spirits very subtly will put thoughts in a person's mind. And many times they'll come in first person where a person begins to think, oh, I think I'm having a heart attack or I think I'm not in love with my mate anymore or I don't think my mate loves me. And many times those demon spirits will come in first person and that's why we think it's our own thinking and we have to stop and realize if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not our own thinking. It's being influenced by the enemy. Or sometimes the enemy will come and give us a thought through circumstances, something we see or, or maybe something that we hear, and it'll trigger a thought. And then immediately he's going to accompany that thought with an emotion. We may start feeling fear or we might start feeling despair or jealousy or, or something else. That is the initial plan of the enemy every single time. And we have to be on our toes in the spirit, not to be just washed away because, see, we've become so accustomed to operating out of our mind and out of our emotions. The one thing that belongs totally to us is our will. Your will is like a switch. It's like the exchanger. Jack has a pickup that has two gas tanks, and when you use the gas down in one of them, you flip a switch, and it switches over into the other tank. And the Lord reminded me of that, and he said, your will is what switches you into the different areas. By your will, you can switch over into your mental realm, you can switch into the emotional realm, you can switch to the physical realm, or you can switch into the spiritual realm. And so the Lord wanted me to see that my will Whatever I chose in my will, that was the area where I was going to operate. In other words, every thought of sickness, he wanted me to use my will to exchange it for a thought of promise of health. Maybe Psalm 91, every thought of lack, he wanted me to exchange it for a promise from his word. Maybe 2 Corinthians 9.8 or Philippians 4.19 that he'd supply all of our needs. Every time a thought of inferiority came, he wanted me to exchange it for a thought of who I was in Christ Jesus. Every thought of doubt for a thought of faith. Every time I was tempted to put a thought from the word of God to drive that temptation out. And the Lord began to show me that's how we come to a place where we become without spot and blemish and we'll never accomplish it in this life, but that he's bringing us closer and closer to that because he's coming back for a church without spot and blemish. And he wants us to be able to say, even as Jesus said, the God of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And that should be our goal, where we're constantly having our mind renewed to the word of God. Now, deliverance is an ongoing process as he keeps cleaning us up and keeps perfecting us. And the more we get cleaned up, the more of his righteousness and his peace and his joy we're going to be able to enjoy. Now, I began to experience a love walk when I saw the kind of love that God has that would keep on loving me when I turned my back on him and when I forsook him and went my own way. I realized that he never quit loving me. He never quit drawing me to him. And he was right there the moment that I gave up and said, Lord, find me. He was right there immediately to start bringing me then to the place where he could set me free. Now, it's sometimes hard to even believe that I'm the same person that lived back there in that torment because I can't even remember really what it felt like. I remember that I was tormented, but I I can't even remember what it felt like. When I tell you about it, it's almost as though I'm telling you about somebody that I used to know. I can remember being so full of joy after my deliverance that I would just say, Oh, Lord, surely this is all there is. And one day, the Lord showed me a scripture in Colossians 2:6 in the Living Bible. And it's one of my favorite scriptures because it says, Just as you trusted Christ to save you. And the Lord paraphrased it as he was speaking it to me. He said, Just as you trusted me to save you. And just as you trusted me to heal you. And just as you trusted me to deliver you. He said, trust me now for each day's problems and live in vital union with me. He brings us through the healing and through the deliverance so that we can fellowship with him on a constant basis. That's what he's wanting. Now, there's no greater time in history to be living than right now if we're walking with the Lord. This is the generation that I truly believe is going to usher in the second coming of Jesus. And we are so privileged to be a part of this. It says that the Old Testament prophets longed to live in this day that we're living in. And that's why he's cleaning us up, so that we'll be vessels fit for the kingdom, to be useful in the kingdom. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the testimony that you've given me. I thank you that you have set me free. Lord, I can never thank you enough for the deliverance that you brought to my life. I thank you, Father, that you continue to sustain us till you could bring us to the place of being able to receive your deliverance. And Father, I thank you that it is freely given for all of us, that you don't hold it back, Lord. Your healing and your deliverance and and your love is there for every one of us, every moment of every day. Father, I'm so very grateful and I thank you that it's even by your Holy Spirit that you renew our mind. Now, Father. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for others. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.